Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, it's so good to be joining with North, South, Tauranga, West, Online, Locals, Melbourne and Adelaide. And uh, we are pumped to be having services with you. And I'm so pumped to have Pastor Paul here as we wrap up our followers series. But before he starts, before he starts, I want to say thank you. Thank you for doing this journey in such a way that is carving a pathway for others of how to have hope in the midst of the most difficult times. So as Pastor Paul brings the word, every campus, every location, can we put our hands together and honour our founding pastor? Don't listen to this. Keep honouring him. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Well, it's a joy for me to be here because how many know it's very hard to get the permission to come and speak these days when Pastor Scott just wants to take over all the time. Would you notice that Pastor Luke's not here and I gave you permission? (laughs) We'll do that again sometime. (laughs) But it's great to have Pastor Scott with us. Uh, I asked him to join me today. I've still got cognitive uh, dysfunction, if you like, when it comes to reading stuff and uh, I might get caught in a moment or two, but we've got grace for that. In fact, uh, I think it underlines or underscores the fact that we were made to do life with others. And uh, whenever you want to do it all on your own, you feel like you've got to succeed at every point, then you're far off what God would call the bullseye because we've got to do life together. And uh, I've asked Pastor Scott if he'd read some of the Scriptures and uh, move forward. But uh, I want to begin today in this whole season where we're talking about discipleship, of really coming back to what is it that's going to create a great disciple? What will it take for us to really become effective to reach people? Because I think more theology is not going to do it. I think there is more necessary for a life change on the inside of who we are. And uh, Jesus was speaking to Simon and also to Philip in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, and he said this, And Jesus said to them, would you follow me? Would you follow me? And I will make you fishers of men. I was reading this a couple of weeks ago as I began to prepare for today. And again, for all our campuses and all of our locals, I want you to get this. It's an interesting thought to me that Jesus said, would you follow me so that I could make you a reacher of people? Not follow me so I could make you more successful. Not follow me so I could teach you how to flourish financially, but I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. And how many know whenever fish are mentioned in the Bible, we should underscore that, (laughs) because I love fishing and I believe that's right. But Jesus says, I wanna teach you how to become a fisher of men. This whole thought of come, follow me is an amazing thought. I've asked uh, Scott just to recap Pastor Luke's message a couple of weeks ago around this whole discipleship thought. Yeah, Pastor Luke reminded us in week one of our follow series that Jesus doesn't want us to just follow him in our words, but to have actions that line up with our words so that we can speak to a world that Jesus is not just a religious God where we speak about him, but he transforms the deepest part of who we are. So having congruence between our words and our actions was week one. Fantastic. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about this whole thought of discipleship and really asking myself the question, so what's my focus? Is my focus others? 
and reaching others. I found myself in hospital beds uh, right through the last 16 months and uh, I found that in most occasions, I'm one of four in a room all going through challenge. And my job in that moment is to reach them. So how do I really step over the divide of where they're at and where I'm at and how do I reach them? And it's kind of like, if that was the most important thing for Jesus to teach us how to become followers uh, and that fellowship would lead us to becoming people that are effective in reaching others, to to make us fishers of men, then that needs to be our priority. As a teenager, I was doing fishing commercially for a while and I was working with a guy that and we would set nets at night and then we would uh, pick him up in the morning, clean the nets out, and then we'd reset them for the following night. And uh, there was the guy that uh, I was working with, a guy called John McGee. He was a full-on Christian, just loved people, just loved life, loved God. And uh, I remember one time where he went to say hi to one of the other boats, another fisherman, usually pretty gruff and pretty tough guys, And he went up to them, and this guy just began to swear like I'd never heard swearing before, except from Pastor Scott. Uh, And in that moment, it was kind of like, I was kind of, just as a teenager, I was in shock. I thought, this is going to turn bad. Then this other fisherman was saying to my friend John McGee, he was saying, you know what? He said, if you ever come close to my boat again, I'm going to cut your whatever it is. Uh, I'm going to do damage to you. And I was freaking out. He said, because you took fish from my net. And uh, John responded and said, I I haven't ever touched your net. He says, I know you have. And next time you come near me, it's going to be curtains for you. And I'm thinking, let's get out of here. The next day we go and get our nets and then we drop them over again. And to my surprise, he goes over to the other boat. And I'm going, this is not just about you, buddy. This is about me. And uh, he just goes over and says, listen, I just wanted to say, I didn't touch your net and I'll do anything I can to help aid you and help you with that. And I, in that moment, caught something that he had caught, John McGee had caught something that I needed to learn that I'm here to reach people. No matter how hard that is, no matter how tough that is, that I'm there to reach out to people. You know, The scripture says that we are to come and to follow Jesus. I'd like to turn that on its head today and ask myself the question, if people were to follow me, what would they end up becoming? Come on, every campus, every local, online today, if people were to follow you right now, what what would they become? In other words, is your agenda something different than what Jesus' agenda was? If you come follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to be so committed to the destiny, the eternal destiny of human beings that that's far more important than get financial breakthrough. That's far more important of other people saying, you're an amazing person and really helping you validate yourself. It's kind of like, you're here to reach people. You are here to make a difference in that. And so then my question leads me to a point of saying, well, what kind of person do I need to become? And again, then you can go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, which says, 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Boy, I did all right with that. But if you want to take that one verse and say, I need to work on some stuff, just take one at a time because it's going to be overwhelming. You want me to be filled with goodness all the time? I want to take one of these thoughts and say, let's focus today on becoming people that have peace. How will we reach the world? Not just more articulated theology, as I said, or not by this, that, or the other thing, but having peace in every season. I think the greatest testimony that Marie and I have experienced over the last 16 months is that people can't get their head around that have no faith the peace that we have in the middle or the eye of the storm. It's an amazing thought. And so that's going to take realignment. It's going to take resetting. And uh, are we willing to pay the price for that? So, Scott, I'm going to ask you to read from John chapter 14. And I want you to follow these verses, verse 25, all the way through to verse 27. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amazing. I've stopped and looked at that and thought a lot about it. And I don't want to step on toes, but I do want to be someone that brings truth. Could it be that the rise of a lot of the mental health issues that we are experiencing today actually comes from a lack of internal peace? Which comes to pass because of the things we go through, but once you discover God-centered peace, then it's amazing the difference that it makes in every part of your life. So if you wanted a message title today, I would... Call this message that we need life-giving peace. If we would live in that peace zone, if we would literally learn how to bring peace to ourselves and to others around us, we would see a huge shift in everything that is a part of our lives. Uh, Last 16 months, as we've shared about from time to time, in fact, October 2021, we heard that uh, our life expectancy had only three months. And uh, that set off a whole thinking process of going, well, God, what does that mean for the kids? What does that mean for the church? What does that mean for everything that's a part of who we are? And we went in and saw the brain specialist, and the brain specialist began to share about how negative everything would be from a medical perspective. And I had to stop in the middle of that three months in to this journey and go, so God, you need to help me with this. What is this all about? And I will never forget the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit and saying, this is about a bigger picture. And at that point, peace flooded my soul. So in the journey of going, I may not be here for the grandkids. I may not be here to bring about the things that I've dreamt about doing 
in the world we live in bringing the truth of God to the central part of every human being that I can collide with. It's kind of like in that point, it's like my human reality could have easily taken over, but I found solace, solace in, in this thought of, you know what, this is about a bigger thing. Yeah. It's not about your cancer prognosis. It's about the fact that I'm going to use this for a bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then for, again, I hope you're staying with us in each of the campuses and locals and online. It's about, well, then how do we develop? Because I want the how-to. Yeah. I don't just want the encouragement. I yeah. want the how do we develop if peace is one of the major keys for us to become attractive to the world we're in and to bring an answer to their dilemma and our dilemma. Three thoughts I wanna give you today. The first is this, is that peace is the outcome of a God-rich environment. Oh, do I have to go to church? Scott, do we have to go to church? We don't have to, but it makes it extremely difficult to live in this peaceful place if we don't. Yeah, because that's what Jesus said, wasn't it? There in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Therefore, there needs to be proximity. It's like, well, do I have to read my Bible every day? No, you don't have to read your Bible every day. But every time you pick up the Word of God, there's something about the living Word that penetrates the darkness with light. You know, why why do my kids, you know, do, do they have to go to church? No, they don't have to. But actually, you're mistaken if you think when they get old enough, we'll have to get them into church. You need to get them into church from the day they're born. Yes. Why? Because it's, again, it's the realization that a rich, uh, a God-rich environment brings a peace, brings an answer to their soul. And I want to encourage everybody, hey, church once a week, church once a month, church once a year will never bring the outcome of a residual peace alone. It's a God-rich environment. So whenever there's negative talk, whenever somebody's, you know, and you buy into that kind of thinking of negativity, it's not a God-rich environment. So thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. It's kind of like, I got to bring it into where I'm at. I've got to step into the God zone. And in that God, is somebody getting something out of this? It's that God zone. In fact, I think we should be as bold, and I suppose where I'm at in life, you've got to be a lot bolder than what I was earlier on. It's kind of like, hey, we don't do that negative stuff around here. Come on. We'll deal with the challenges, yeah. we'll deal with the issues, but it's your word, it's proximity to who God is that changes who we are. And I believe that God is taking us all to a new depth of understanding. Absolutely. My first brain scan, as I said, revealed that I only had three months to live, medically speaking. And the challenge of that was huge. Uh, I remember going in for that first brain scan and the doctors made it very clear that I may not walk out. And if I was fortunate enough to have life after the amount of brain that was taken out, certainly we should have, or most likely would have a whole lot more complications. You think about that and you're about to go in that and they dress you up, they get you ready and they wheel you in and here's the place where they're gonna do the surgery. And then one of the nurses comes over and grabs my arm and says, Pastor Paul, 
I discovered later, if I've got it right, that she was the charge nurse of that. She says, would it be all right if I prayed for you? <laughs> Here I am going, flip, you know, I'm, whatever will be, God will be, but please make it good. <laughs> Feeling all alone in a sense, naturally. Knowing that God said it's for a bigger picture, but right now I need a little bit more than that. She says, in fact, I've told the boss of this whole area that I want to be able to pray for any person that wants to be prayed for. And they said, you won't be doing that around here. So she said, I went higher. <laughs> and they said, no, you should be able to pray for anyone that wants to be prayed for because everyone has a right to get what they get these days. So I, said, so I said, slap those hands on me and you pray for me. You know what happened? Come on, think about it. You've got three months. Now you've got to go to brain surgery and you may come out completely different. Naturally speaking, there is no room for peace. Peace flooded my heart. A God-rich environment. All of us need a God-rich environment. Why don't you read Isaiah 26 and verse 3, Scott? Powerful, powerful verse. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. I want you to stop for a moment. God promises that he will keep you in perfect peace if you live in proximity to him. I will keep you in perfect, but I don't feel peace. Then you're outside the zone that you need to be in. And today it's like God is calling us. Do you know that even when you take decisions about fulfilling the will of God for your life and are challenging, God says, just get close to me. Don't let the bigness of the challenge dominate your conversation and thinking. Come back to that place where you center on who I am. And in that place, you'll find real strength and you'll find the power that you need to discover. I love it. Peace is the outcome of a God-centered environment. Secondly, peace is experienced when we position the past behind us. I didn't say my past. I said the past. There are some things in your life that you can't control or haven't been able to control that have created damage on the inside of you. There are some things that you and I have done that could cause devastation over us. But what is this thought? This thought comes to us that peace is experienced when we position the past behind us. It's an ongoing challenge in every season to position the past behind you. Your past is not your primary thought that you should be occupied with. Yes. Yes. Could I say this? Even your future is not your primary thought. Yes. You should have a plan for the future, but it's your now yep. that has the authority 
to release peace to you. So it's like, well, man, you, you don't know what I've been through. I, I often say, now look, if I can still do this with half a brain, <laughs> two major brain surgeries, and I can't, I don't know how much drugs has gone in, but I've, I think, helped a whole lot of pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> or many people have helped me help a lot of things take place. But this God-rich environment and then the positioning of the past behind us is so important. Pastor Scott, come on, let's go to Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We get a brand new beginning in who he is. We are covered in his righteousness. Then Psalm 103 verse 13 says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. I want you to hear this. You do not have to live with the guilt of yesterday. Some of us are still living under the shadow of something we wish we never did or we wish never happened to us. And every time we bring it to the surface, we empower it to dominate us. Whereas our now stance, if we are in Christ, is that God comes, he meets us there, and he pities us. But at the same time, he removes our transgression. He takes us to a place of absolute freedom. And I love that, that God has had to remind me. I've been in ministry now for 40 years. In those 40 years, have I lived a perfect life? No. Have I made mistakes? Yes. By the way, whenever you find people pointing the finger at your mistakes, don't ever allow the enemy to use that. Bring your mistakes back to the foot of the cross and then let them go. You'll still remember them, but you have to make a decision to position them in your past. Because as you position them in your past, you can stand up in the newness every day. God's mercies are renewed towards you. Yes. Anybody still feeling like, man, I've got some residue of the past still hanging around here. You've got to look it in the eye and say, no, I'm going to pick you up today and I'm going to position you in my past. And my past has no authority over my now place in God. Our future is primarily uh, determined by the decisions we make today. Oh, well, you're a pastor. You know, you've served full time for 40 years. Yep. Let's not gloat in the wonder of what has happened. Let's stand up today and say, God, what do you want to do today? Yeah, but I'm incapacitated largely in a lot of things today. But let's stand up and now incapacitated today. Do what God has enabled us to do and not worry about the rest. Some people should be standing on their chairs today going, hallelujah, I'm starting to get a little freer because of the encouragement that's coming my way. Position your past behind you. Make sure you do that. Think about this. Fulfillment is experienced by uh, when we create a better tomorrow by what we invest today. Leave that up for a moment. 
People are looking for fulfillment. It's like, if I try that, maybe that will help me. You know, what? I found a connection here, that'll help me. No, fulfillment is really the byproduct by what we create today. Not yesterday or tomorrow. That's why I can't understand people that say, well, I used to do that. I don't need to do anything. No, today you need to keep on investing if you want to stay fulfilled in the things that God has for you. I think that's such a powerful statement. Can we put that back up again? I'm going to read it one more time for us. It's fulfillment is experienced when we create a better tomorrow by what we invest in today. God's given us seed today to create a better tomorrow. Don't let the enemy anchor us to yesterday with guilt and shame, but let's create a better tomorrow with the seed that's already in our hand and making those decisions today. What a powerful thought. Anybody ever felt shame before? Join me, put a hand in the air. Felt shame before. Come on, keep it up. Because I want to encourage you, it's time to take your hand down. Because if it was in the past, then I can let go of it today. And if I don't let go of it, I'm being robbed of the potential of tomorrow. And that's the God that we serve. That's how good he is. And then the final thought would be that peace takes center stage when we obey God's word and will. Peace comes right into the middle part of every season, center stage, when we become obedient to God's word and God's will. This is going to get a little bit challenging for a moment, but God's word is God's word. We're in a, a world that wants to shift everything. Yes. We're in a world that says, well, God's word, you, you can't take it for what it really says because that's not how I feel. In fact, we're in a world today that we are taught by society and we're moving more and more this way to you are what you feel. Yeah. May not like this, may not even agree with me in this, but you are not what you feel. Because if you live that out, you're gonna have a bad future because your feelings are leading you. You are who God says you are. And when you come into that place, peace fills your life. Because many people are saying, well, if I follow my feelings, I'll find fulfillment. No, you won't. You might have a season or a moment or a little bit of time where you enjoy the moment, but God wants to give you a peace that passes all human understanding, that fills your heart. And again, everything about the enemy is trying to downplay the truth of God's Word, but we are to be obedient to God's Word and God's will. It's a major challenge for all of us. Pastor Scott, why don't you read from Psalm 25? All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Be great to do a Bible study around that. We're in a day where there's an increase of particularly youth crime. 
We're in a day where things are changing so rapidly that we are being directly encouraged to remove personal responsibility for actions. Whereas God takes another angle and He says, no, I'm the God of mercy. Yes, I am. But I'm also the God of truth. And until you get both of those working together, the truth is God's Word over your life. You will not find a resident peace. It takes center stage when we really embrace the wonder of God's Word and will. You may be here and you might say, well, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for many years. And so I read the Word and I try to the best of my ability to live out the Word. The question is, what about God's will? It's the word and will of God that will bring peace into the center of your life. <laughs> kind of like, what's your will for my life in this season? Shall we just shut up shop? And we don't know how long we've got, so let's just use it all for myself. And I feel like God's saying, no, you're going to use this for a bigger picture. We didn't birth life because it was the easiest thing to do. We never built any buildings because it was the easiest thing to do. We never took the steps we took ever just because it was the easiest thing. It's because God wanted it. And that brought peace into the center of it. Today, I wanna encourage you and challenge you to say, are you living according to God's Word? Yeah, but it doesn't fit the paradigm of today's society. It's still God's Word. And you can choose not to respond to that but God guarantees that peace will become center of your life if you live out His Word and His will. And I love that He's able to take us on that journey. Again, I think it was uh, 1991 when we came to New Zealand. Many of you have heard the story and it's like crazy. Three kids. No promise of any support. And yet God said, would you move to Australia and start a church that would reach the community through actively helping their needs and believe for something significant to happen? Well, here we are all these years on and we've seen what God has done, but that came through being obedient to God's Word and God's will. And I want to encourage you today Maybe it's coming back to God's Word and saying, boy, that doesn't fit where I'm at. But when you get a revelation that His Word and His will will give you peace, it's worth it. God's able to meet you there. Amen. Can you say amen to that? So why don't we pray together? Father, we just thank You today that as we come to Your Word, as we take time set aside to be in this God-rich environment, that even if it's challenging, it still brings peace. There's a sound of truth. God, we thank You that You're the God that leads us forward. You're the God that causes us to have the strength to put our past behind us. And You're the God that brings us back to the foundation of a lasting peace, which is basing our lives on truth knowing that you are a merciful God and you understand our failures. But it's your truth that we seek. 
and our faithful response to that. So we just pray that you'll enable each one of us to move forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we give God a thank you for his word? Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.